Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast with me, Wild 2.0. And it's Brandon. I still need to find an alias. <laughs> you still going on about this? I, I actually really like the Oba one you said in a previous podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I man. This thing, um, Osairi. So it's like Osaze, Pat, and Arimboa. Oh, okay. So I was like, eh, we'll see. I don't know. The other day I was thinking of one because I was thinking Brando actually sounds like a good sort of alias. Like, you know, saying Brando. I don't know, but... This yeah. sounds like I'm, like I'm a um, programming superhero. <laughs> What's that? It makes me sound like I'm a programming superhero, but <laughs> I don't like programming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure you figure it out, man. Yeah. yeah. How's everything been? Good? Yes, not bad, not bad. You know, Sweet. Been a crazy week in the world of news. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it has has been a crazy week. Um, to this week's content is actually going to be great. First major topic we're going to start discussing is the uh, Microsoft acquisition of GitHub. This news came out on Monday morning, and it was a shock to many in the developers community, and there was many um, mixed reactions. But um, what do you think about the acquisition? I, I found it interesting because it, it literally came out of nowhere. And I, I just want to read the title from um, um, Bloomberg. They were like, GitHub is Microsoft's um, 7.5 billion undo button. And there's a guy, Steve, Steve Ballmer. Steve Ballmer, yes. The previous yeah. CEO of Microsoft. Yeah, spent years hating on open source software. Yes. And um, Nadella recognized that the service has become indispensable to programmers. Yes. Which is funny because we never see them buy stuff for that's marketed to programmers, mm. you know, Instagram audience, you mm. know, consumer base. I mean, programmers are consumers as well, but, you know, it's never, they've never actually bought stuff that were for us, mm. you know, so it, it came out of nowhere, which, which, but I don't even know, same thing. I don't know exactly how I feel about it. I did planning to do anything different, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't mm. know. But you know what, what it's taught me is that you just never know when your big break is going to come. That's true. Can you imagine the, the guys at GitHub looking at the likes of Instagram, Snapchat, and seeing how fast they, you know, they grew and how fast um, they got bought over, you know, they, their big break came? Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I don't think many programmers will see it as a big break because... Um, GitHub's position in the open source is, is known as a neutral company, which is that, you know, it's for the community of developers. It's for the people. So no one was actually expecting, well, most people weren't actually expecting GitHub to be purchased by, say, a company that's, um, you know, almost 10 years ago, they were against, uh, what do you call it, the open source community. Mm. Um, apparently, the acquisition made sense to some people because um, there were some internal issues happening within, um, what do you call it, GitHub. There was some uh, scandals and oh. yeah, there, there were a few scandals and GitHub were just, you know, unsure as to how they can keep up with this, uh, um, what do you call it, with this payment plan that they have, you know, because they have a part payment plan whereby if you want to make your, uh, what do you call it, your repositories private, um, you got to pay for it. Do you see what I mean? But just let's just sort of rewind a bit. What is, what is GitHub? So GitHub is basically what we can call the social network of a social network for programmers. It's essentially a, uh, a web-based platform that allows programmers to publish their code and manage their code with other developers or programmers. 
and contribute to open source projects on the platform. That is essentially what GitHub is, basically. And yeah, to many, it's, um, it's a good thing. To many, it's a bad thing based on everything you've said. But my stance on it is that, um, like you said, business is business. You know, um, GitHub probably needed this at the position they're currently in. I'm not saying they're doing bad or anything or they were doing terrible. I'm just saying it was probably something that they, you know, saw. I mean, they're smart guys, you know. They know what the company needs. There's a lot of things happening internally in GitHub that we as um, programmers or consumers or users, you know, whatever keyword you want to use that we don't see, you know, in the, in the underlying structure of, uh, of uh, what do you call it, of GitHub. But um, yeah. essentially, I just hope they don't, you know, a lot of programmers like myself are just hoping they don't turn it into a Skype where they start merging it into other Microsoft applications. <laughs> that would be horrendous, literally. I mean, there, there must be value that that GitHub brings to Microsoft. Or at the same time, it, like you're saying, what does Microsoft exactly bring to GitHub? Mm. You know, mm. that's, that's that's where what I don't know because we we saw what Facebook did with Instagram. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, what's Facebook bringing to Instagram? Turns out they weren't really bringing anything that Instagram couldn't have figured out for themselves. Mm. You know, so to be honest, um, Facebook did good for Instagram. But at the same time, now it's getting to a place where everything has to be together. My Facebook must be on my Instagram. Mm. My Instagram must be on my like. We don't we don't want that kind of mm. you know situation. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I get what you're saying. But also, there's there's mixed you know reviews in the sense that um, there are certain open source projects that are currently on uh, GitHub whereby Microsoft may not uh, may want to remove. Do you see what oh. I mean? And open source being open source, like basically yeah. put whatever, you know, whatever code you want on there. So people are, are thinking whether, is it going to become a regulation system whereby Microsoft are going to regulate what kind of, you know, uh, code or software uh, platforms can, you know, put their code onto GitHub. I think if it turns into that, I think then it's going to be a major problem. I think it's just, it's, that's not what open source is about. I don't think it should be regulated in that stance. But um, we'll have to see what happens. Right? It's a tough one. I don't really know. But did you know, like, um, 50,000 um, GitHub users have been transferring their, uh, migrating their code into a GitHub's competitor known as GitLab. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. So basically... The, after the purchase? Yes. So after the $7.5 billion purchase, people have been transferring and migrating their code to um, um, GitHub's competitor known as um, GitLab. Hmm. And that's interesting. You can see that lots of people are still like, they're still, you know, funny about it. But um, the GitLab CEO is happy about it. He's, he's not complaining. He's like, mate, <laughs> we've, we've seen a surge in users. So, you know, yeah, let's see what happens with that. Let's see what happens with, with um, Microsoft I mean, and GitHub. And Microsoft do own a lot of development tools. Of course. You know, so it, yeah, I think ideal, you know, in the ideal world, it would be a good marriage between the two. Absolutely. Um, but then at the same time, it's they just should not ruin the community that GitHub has built. You want to log in one day and then random pop. Well, Microsoft don't really do pop-ups, but you know, like random messages linking back to Microsoft sites, mm. or you know, like we, you don't want to come in and it's a total new new thing. You know, if they're doing anything, let it be behind the scenes mm. and show us the end result and be like, this is what we're offering you now. Yeah. Oh, hey. Can they also give us a free course now to those Microsoft accreditation courses? Please. Mm. Can all GitHub members get 
get because I'm not ready to pay a grand plus for my certification. So <laughs> they will provide that as well. Mm. I will take it. Mm, I see. See, look, just to compliment what you just said, I think if Microsoft comes into this um, new partnership with, you know, um, better in the open source community and the values that embodies it, then yes, I'm up for this acquisition. But if it turns into something where Microsoft wants to regulate, I mean, Microsoft have been doing pretty all right so far in terms of open source. Recently, they released a, um, I believe it's an open source uh, code editor that everyone's been telling me to jump on, known as uh, VS Code. Did you hear about it? No. Well, see, I only I really use Microsoft from the data side. So Azure. Oh, I see. All this type of stuff. So I see, I see. Yeah, so some people are saying, you know, Microsoft did pretty well with the VS Code and all that stuff and, you know, bettering the development community. So you can see their stance has changed in an open source. It'll be interesting to see what happens, I think. Let's just see. Sweet. So um, let's move on to another topic. The next topic is, can you introduce it, please, uh, Brandon? Yes. Okay, speaking of, like, what 2.0 said about the whole GitHub being a place where, for me, it was a cheat code, basically. I go there to find codes. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone else. A lot of freelancers use it. And then I was having this discussion with someone and they made this statement saying what um, Wix and WordPress are stealing customers from them, mm. you know, and which is something we've experienced once whereby um, a client just went to Wix and then built, well, not really a client. We gave like, we did a uh, giveaway and they went on to Wix and built a website by themselves. Mm -hmm. So the question now is, are they really taking potential customers from um, freelancers, I would say freelancers, because if you're an in-house developer for a company, I think you're fine. But, you know, normal people who are starting a blog, who are, you know, starting a small business, would, would you say WordPress and Wix are taking customers from people? Um, see, that's, I would say, I would say they're taking the majority of the market, yes. But here's, here's my stance in it. I think that in this day and age, we have two types of people. We have people, since, we've, since the boom of, you know, people starting businesses, now everyone wants a website, right? You have those type of customers who would go to platforms such as Wix and WordPress to, you know, ask, you know, to cook something up quickly, you know, get a template and get, you know, a provider such as Wix to do the rest for them, right? And the second type of customers we have is those that want something different, something unique, as we've witnessed in the past. I yeah. think one is beating the other. And that's the Wix and, and, and uh, what do you call it? And Word, WordPress sites, you know, the CRM sites. And it's a big topic right now because similar to you, I went to an event and like I had a mini presentation there. And one of the yeah. questions I was asked by uh, one of the guys was, um, he said, oh, but like, I was thinking of starting a web and app development, you know, agency like you guys. But... <laughs> Which everyone is trying to do. Yes. I don't know why. Yeah, he was saying like you guys. And he said, but my issue is that and I want to learn programming. He was a doctor or something. He was like, and I, and I want to learn programming, blah, blah, blah. And then he says to me, but I'm very reluctant to start a company anymore or learn to program or learn to build websites. And I said, why? He said, because, you know, one of my other friends, and I've been doing some research, there's, there's websites and platforms such as, you know, Wix and WordPress that uh, many people are going to nowadays to build websites. So how do you guys like you continue making money? How, and what's the point of me starting one if, you know, people are going to these websites. And I simply told him two things. I was like, just because, you know, these companies are doing, building websites like we are or like you want to, it doesn't stop you from doing your business because you can find a USP that those two providers don't provide, number one. 
And number two, I gave him the scenario that, you know, I just gave you, whereby you always have these two different types of customers. The ones that want something more bespoke, something unique that isn't out there that they'll pay you for to do for them. And the other side is the people who just want you to, um, you know, just want something quick that's wrapped up, you know, that's just cooked up, basically. And the last thing I told him is, look, this world is full of competition. You know, if you're saying this, then why, why doesn't Samsung say, oh, Apple's already got um, a phone. Why should we build phones? Or... Uh, Huawei already builds phones. Why are we building phones? I said, that shouldn't, you know, demotivate you from learning to program and starting your, your own web and app agency. And I told him that you might even find that the type of customers you draw are customers that, you know, people like Wix and WordPress don't draw. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. The last website um, we did for a client, which was Kobe Goes to Ghana, it was a very unique website that the client was asking for. And when the client was giving me the spec for this website, she literally got inspiration from different websites that she's seen on the web. She sent me like different types of websites and she was like, I just want an amalgamation of all these different kinds of websites. I want it to mess together. I want all this different stuff. And that's something she couldn't get from Wix because I had to use my own creativity. I had to use my own sort of like inspiration from different places I've seen to do that for her. Because she knew herself she, she couldn't get it from Wix. At one point she was like, do you think I should go to Wix? I was like... You can go to Wix, but your site is going to look like everyone else. And that's basically what I think. What do you think? I agree with a couple of, the, like, most of the things you said. Um, I said the last part, whereby people don't seem to understand that Wix is very limiting. Mm. And once you are trying to do more, you know, than it provides, you actually have to then become a web developer. Because, mm. like I said to the person I was discussing with, I was like, you know, you can actually also use WordPress. There's nothing wrong with you building your client's website on WordPress. And before I could finish, he was like, oh, when I use WordPress, I don't feel um, accomplished or something like that. You know, he doesn't feel like he's done a good job. And then he showed me one of the sites he did. And I was like, first of all, you basically just downloaded the template. <laughs> There's so much you can actually do with WordPress. When you start going into custom CSS, breaking down the HTML, WordPress actually gives you, you know, which is which what I think why WordPress is somehow better than Wix because they, I don't, I've not used Wix a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to help someone out with it and it, I can't even, I don't even understand it. <laughs> it's, literally, it's literally drag and drop. Yeah. But I'm struggling with it just being that simple. <laughs> but WordPress allows you to actually play around with code. With the CSS code. Yeah. So if you're saying, oh, my customers are going to WordPress, but your customer wants a blog website, mm. Technically, it's faster to do it with WordPress, but then you can put your own unique spin. Yeah. Because you already have that programming skills. Yeah. You know, so I think people, you know, um, freelancers should also just look at WordPress and take it as a tool. Yeah. You know, that they can use for their advantage because you, let's say you have three clients, you download the template, mm -hmm. or actually you build, you already have the HTML and CSS you have, you know, transfer it to WordPress, boom, they have a backend, you create an account, do a little tutorial, and you're done. So yeah. I don't really see, I understand whereby they're saying it's taking people away. Yeah. You know, but like you said, when it comes, you know, to not being unique, when users are not asking for very specific things that they can do themselves yeah. on those sites, they will in turn come back. But then it's for the, you know, freelancers should, to also know how to use this tool mm. to their advantage. And people, I don't know, I've just never really been one to complain i know when things are going against me you know understand you know if things are you know just it's, it's live but yeah i've always tried to find the first ways okay 
if it's stressing me, do I really need it? And then secondly, if I do need it, how can I use it for my advantage? Mm. You know, like I've been playing a lot with WordPress recently, and now I'm getting to the point about, okay, I want to know how to, you know, do the CSS in WordPress. Mm. You know, I want to know how to do the HTML because now it's like, no, I want to put this here, but the template I doesn't have it. I want to do this here, but that template is too expensive, you know. So now you're happy because there are some major websites that are, that are actually built with WordPress. 100%. You know, so I think people just need to get into it, you know, get their hands dirty and play around with it and don't, and don't be scared of it. And when you transfer all your skills, you know, at the end of the, like you said, they will come back because once it gets to being unique, providing certain services that this, you know, CRMs and uh, web builders can do, mm. then, then they come to you. But just make sure you're ready as well. Absolutely. Now, the last thing I wanted to add was just... um. I also think that freelancers and web developers or whatever should also aim to enhance their skills. You know, web development is moving at such a rapid rate that you have to be able to understand what's in vogue. Do you see what I mean? Like you sort of have to put, again, this is, this is a, this is a term I'm going to use. You sort of have to put your ears to the web development streets to see what's happening. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is that companies don't always have the intel on what's happening on the streets. They employ people you know, to provide information to them as to what's happening. Do you see what I mean? So as a developer, what I would do is say, okay, what's hot right now in web development? What's really good? You know, you've got these, everyone's playing around with gradients right now. Oh, in, in my next project, let me, you know, play around with gradients. The other day I read an article on VR and AR, like people are starting to do crazy stuff with that, with web development. Do you see what I mean? I went on like one of the best websites I've ever seen in my life. It was a AR website and I was just like, wow. It's literally like augmented. It's like things are literally moving around you. you it basically adds onto the user experience. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. I, I think like the web development space has become so competitive as well that people should also like, you know, go beyond just web development and, you know, CSS and styling. I think people should really dive deep into enhancing their creativity. Yeah. And also I'll, I'll just say for like, customers or just everyone in general when you need a website like we always say we always tell clients to look long term you know in 10 years time where do you want this business to be mm. so when you're using Wix now and you're building it quickly and you feel good you have a website fair enough but when it's now time to take down that website because sometimes when you buy on Wix you have to pay monthly it gets it's become more expensive for you to to have your domain being hosted by them mm. you know so sometimes it's good to seek professional advice and say okay yeah. i do want to go to Wix, or do i just buy the domain and then build, you know so just think long term mm. because you you wouldn't know how to reuse the code on Wix. you know like wordpress is still good because you can literally extract the whole the whole website yeah in a zip file and upload it somewhere else you know so just just think long term as well absolutely but also like just add, just to add on to what you've just said as well is like you know I'm just gonna quickly plug ourselves in when we build a website for clients they literally have us like they see us throughout the whole process do you see what I mean whenever they yeah, want oh, yeah. whenever whenever they want to call us whether it's two or three a.m. as we've witnessed <laughs> well, two a.m. <laughs> it's crazy Christ, but we're there do you see what I mean whenever something crazy happens to their site we're there you know whenever they tell us oh come into our office and do this we're there which is something that Wix and WordPress doesn't provide. So I think, as you said, you know, looking long-term is very important and building a relationship in terms of like a progressive relationship that allows your business to grow with the person building yeah. your website is very important because I guess, I think you get more value from that person. 
True, true. People people prefer that human communication. Exactly, exactly. And you know, yeah. So we're done with um that segment, right? Yeah, yeah. That's it. So now we're going to move on to tech in Africa and, you know, other important topics that's happening in Africa as well. So, yeah, let's kick this off. What's been happening in Africa in terms of tech? It's been a lot of crazy stuff that we're going to sort of like um, dissect in this podcast. So firstly, we're going to talk about the fact that Egypt has decided to impose a ban on YouTube. And Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm still, I'm still getting over the WhatsApp tax. Yeah, How see, okay. I'll, buzz on YouTube? I'll, I'll say you're free. So, because there's a, there's a common theme amongst all these free topics I'm going to mention now, you know, Egypt imposing a ban on YouTube, number one. And then you've got Kenya basically mm. um, telling people that they need licenses to post videos online. And okay. lastly, you've got Uganda telling people to pay tax for using WhatsApp or of our social media platforms like Twitter and stuff. This is just crazy. So where do you want to start? If you want to start with the Uganda text, uh, tax stuff? I don't understand how we're paying taxes on using WhatsApp. It's crazy. It's crazy. And do you know how much the Ugandan government are saying that people have to pay to use these platforms? They have to pay... Yeah, from, was it not something about 0.0... I can't remember. Is it not US dollars they have to pay? No, it's uh, 200 Ugandan shillings, which in dollars is 5 cents. Oh, okay. Yes. And this is a cost that's been taken out every day, basically. Yeah, and every day. <laughs> yes. Like, this, is, this is like when they brought the, the 5p bags. Yeah. It's exactly the 5p bags all over again. Yeah. I've not paid 5p for a bag. <laughs> <laughs> what I find even more funny or humorous is that the government says that the reason why they're imposing this ban or, you know, sorry, not ban, but imposing this new tax law on social media is that they think that social media encourages gossip and the country needs a new way to, to basically make money. I just find that crazy. Like, how is a country saying this stuff? Wow. Yeah. I mean, even, even in, in one article where they said that <laughs> the president is, is local is reported in local um, social media saying that social media encourages... Yeah, that's what you said about the gossip team. But yeah. he also saying... Um, their government also saying that, you know, to avoid donor aid. I don't yeah. Know, what does that even mean? So donor aid... To avoid aid, donor aid. Yeah. Don't, why, how does that help us avoid donor... I'm saying us, like I'm from Uganda, but yeah. yes. It's us. So, because trust Africans will get this idea now and everyone will start... <laughs> Could you imagine the riot in Nigeria if that <laughs> It would be crazy. It would be crazy. Like, I don't think Nigerians will have it. But um, in this day and age, I think this is shocking. I'm going to talk more about my view on this. But then I also want to talk about, um, you know, the Egyptian ban now. Egypt has, has decided to um, ban uh, YouTube over, you know, there's a video called The Innocence of uh, Muslims video that came out in 2012 that was uh, disrespecting Prophet Muhammad. So because of this, you know, there were riots in different places in North Africa and in um, other Islam-based countries. So because of this, Egypt basically want to ban YouTube because they find that video very disrespectful to Islam or to their religion, I should say. Again, this happened in 2012 and, you know, Egypt is still pushing to ban it. What do you think about this? I can see why they would want to do that from the 
you know, government and religion, you know, standpoint and stuff like that. Because the, the subject of faith and freedom of speech is a very um, tricky one when you merge the two together. Because one person posting a video, I mean, come on, for example, I'm Christian. Yeah. The amount of disrespectful things we see. Of course. Towards the Christian faith. Yeah. Heck, God, forgive me, for Muslims as well. Are we now going to say, I want to put a ban on YouTube or on places that are influencing faith? Mm. Likewise, because you have, to give, you have to give people this, the ability to express themselves. And freedom the freedom of speech, yes. You know. But at the same time, I would say, now this is my African self speaking. If you know where you're coming from, you have to be wise in how you share your views. I'm not saying it's wrong to share your views, but you just have to be wise in how you go about it. In what sense? Can you elaborate? Okay, so for example, me not agreeing with my African parents in certain topics. Yeah. I'm not going to go to their face and say, because we're in in UK, I'm like, I disagree with you and be disrespectful <laughs> to their beliefs. Because that's what happens if the way they portrayed, for example, the, the prophet in the video, it's, it's to some extent you know, disrespectful towards people who believe otherwise. Yeah. You know, so if you're disrespecting, blatantly disrespecting someone's faith, there will be some repercussion, you know. Consequences, yes. So, but I think you just have to be wise in how you, you know, you, you go about displaying these things. Just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I have to disrespect you. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my little sisters come out and said, um, the Bible is very, what, um, what's that word? Against women. But the men one, oh, I've forgotten. I've Misogynistic. Lost. Yes. You know, towards women. But it was in, a, in the right space to say so. There's even been time where she said things in the right space and people have looked at her like, are you mad? You can't say that. Da, 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 da. You get But, I mean, it's her beliefs. It's her mm. thought. But it, you just have to deal with it in wisdom. So I don't know how Egypt as a country are going to do it because there's so much benefit that YouTube brings. Absolutely. So much benefit. I mean, I know they were doing a, a um, top 10 YouTubers on uh, the React channel. And you come to find out that some of the top 10 are not even from America. We all think it's American and mm -hmm. westernized based, but Spain, Africa, Europe, Asia, like all these places are using YouTube for positive things as well. So I don't think mm -hmm. you can just, you know, decide to ban it and then take potential opportunities away from millions of people that could benefit from it. Yeah. I think, again, this, this comes back to, you know, the government being big brother and trying to, you know, center everything and control everything. To be honest, like I've always said in the previous podcasts, I don't think the internet can be regulated. Okay, okay. As, I'm just going to say a bit of my stance. I believe that the internet, for example, if a technology has been built for good and it's, you know, it's, it's allowing people to express themselves, it's, it's providing freedom of speech, and all this stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's positive. I don't think that it should be regulated in any form. Do you see what I mean? But if a technology has been built for good purposes and it's been used for the wrong reasons in which the person who built it doesn't have any control or can't, you know, stop every bad thing or is, it's, it's affecting people in a very negative, uh, you know, way in large scale, then I think it should be regulated. Do you see what I mean? That's my stance. But again, I don't but, think... Okay, you see, with what you yeah. just said, you just said if the person who created it has no control... Yeah. 
like YouTube done, they've they've tried everything you know they can to limit. I mean, they do the the ban on the F word. They 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 really do try like to limit as much. They demonetize a lot of things. You know, they the amount of videos they have to block every day. But then, like you said, they created it for something positive. Mm. You can't tell how people are going to use it. That's what I'm saying. Again, I don't think a government regulating a piece of technology like YouTube is going to solve their issues. Because, you know, back in school, they banned, they banned YouTube from our, in our secondary school. They banned, um, well, not when I say banned, I, I would say they didn't allow us to have access to it. They blocked on the server, right? Mm. But we always found ways to access YouTube using, you know, other ways in which <laughs> I can't public, <laughs> you know, publicly discuss. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So I don't essentially think that, you know, banning YouTube is going to make a, you know, a huge effect or is going to solve all their problems. There are still going to be other platforms whereby people will find a way to express their views and post what they want to. But before we, we dive in deeper into that, I want us to move to the next one. This one is similar to the Egyptian issue, but I just find it, um, you know, hilarious again. So basically, a new law is set to come into effect on the 20th of May, which is, you know, it's gone past in Kenya regarding publishing and broadcasting of any videos for public consumption. So Kenya is basically releasing a new new law that basically says if anyone, you know, films anything and then, you know, publicizes it, they can be fined or put in jail for up to five years if they don't have a license, a filming license. Imagine. So basically you have to become okay. a film producer to post <laughs> any type of video online, whether that's social media, whether that's YouTube, Twitter, anything. So, ever, but how how easy is it to get this this license though? But no, that's not. I don't think we should be asking that question though, because why do I need a license to to post a video? No, because I can I can understand I can see where they are coming from, in terms of the the government angle. Because sometimes we have to think about this. Like we should put ourselves in the shoes of the government. I know, like one of one of the reasons they they gather a lot of um, if you're trying to buy a SIM card in Nigeria, for example. Yeah, they, they gather a lot of data is because in, they can always track it back to the person who bought it. Mm. So if, if that SIM card is ever used for any fraudulent activities, yeah, you know, they can always. But that's what I'm saying. Like, how easy is it to access? I don't know if they should. They should literally put it on every single person. I think if you're doing a professional video, so if you're posting content regularly on YouTube, maybe if mm. you hit over a certain subscribers or if you want to do like a big project yes get a license so we can actually hold you accountable mm. for some of the content you're creating but if they are saying like every single person including the little girl who is dancing to a new trend song and post it to go get a license okay come on that's that's come on that's been it's that, that's just been extra why are we always extra in africa that's my question see, this is the issue with you know i believe africa like it's not a surprise to me because there are still lots of things that africa doesn't agree with that you know the western world agrees to do you see mm. what i mean so you know things like human rights and etc you know africa is always known for you know being less lenient than other uh, you know countries in the western world and i feel like this is not much of a surprise to me but the only way i i i disagree with the stance again on on for many reasons and i sort of agree with what you said in terms of if it's a professional film and stuff like that makes sense but the fact that me as as a uh, a citizen of of kenya I can't record something in my phone that's probably going to bring a positive light into the, the world and basically share it with the world. I can't do that anymore. True, that sounds I, crazy. I right? just thought of something. And it also stops people 
from sharing their views about the government. And exactly. So the government to reason to put you in jail if you posted your thoughts exactly. without the license. So that's why I, I spoke about these three things simultaneously. Because if you look, you know, on a uh, in a deeper level, you would see like the many reasons why these, you know, countries in Africa are imposing these laws or regulation is that social media is a is a form of freedom of speech by the people of Africa, allowing them to voice their opinions on the government, on politicians. Do you mm. see what I mean? It's, it's, it's allowing them to voice their opinions on corruption and all these other issues that, that is, uh, that's going on in Africa. Do you see what I'm saying? And because of that, the governments want to crack down on it and they want to limit the amount of things, you know, people say about them. You know, that's one way of looking at it. And I feel like if that's what they're trying to do, then that's, that's the wrong way to go by it. Do you know why I don't like this, this stuff? All this stuff is mentioned. Think about who's going to affect. It's going to affect the writers. It's going to affect the journalists. It's going to affect these people that are blogging, that are using social media as a way to make ends meet. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's just crazy. Look what social media has done to many people, how it's changed people's lives. Not just to talk of uh, YouTubers, but to talk about people who have, you know, very good opinions online. Mm. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Like, I just don't feel like regulating social media in Africa is going to help, especially at its current state. You know, I think Africa should even be pushing for more innovation. I don't think you should be limiting your people. I would say one thing I liked, I read somewhere else also that, um, I don't know if it's Egypt, but Egypt wants to create their own version of Facebook because it stops um, people from, you know, being influenced by radical groups, you know, passing certain information that may be, you know, dangerous to the country. See, that's good. I like that. Just what I mean, because you're not saying, okay, we're going to regulate it. But again, you have well, to see the balance. Is, I, I like that. But then at the same time, I think, so the government has everything that everyone is doing. Exactly. See, time. That's what I was about to say. I, I liked that, but then there's still issues with that. Because what that article said is that the government would also use it to collect people's data to see, <laughs> you know, to make sure they're not talking about certain things and monitoring people. Again, I still think this is wrong. Just last thing I'll say, this poses me to ask this question. Actually, you know what? What were you going to say? Oh, no, go on, ask the question no, now. No, 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 no. Now you've got to ask the question. No, no, I forgot what I was going to say, basically, because... Hey, well, trying... 2.0. You have a very good memory. Ask the question. <laughs> okay, so I'll try and remember what I was trying to say, but the point I was trying to say is, what is the limit with, with all this, with data? You know, how much data should people be allowed to extract from us? Should they be allowed to extract any form of data or just data that wouldn't cause any harm? Do you see what I mean? The, the issue of data is very complex. You know, yeah, whether it's okay, a, that's, yeah, that's a whole different. That's what I'm saying. What's the limit on data that people should be able to access? That's my question. I mean, the 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 playground rule has always been, you know, once you put it out there, it's out there. You know, mm. it's out there for anyone to to use or take. I think it gets down to morals, but not everyone has good moral mm. compasses to say, I'm not going to take your address information, though I know you needed it to pay something. You know, mm. so now I'm going. To, so it it becomes a very you know, a very tricky um, subject when you say what is the limit on data, how much can people extract, what should I be putting out there or not putting out there. Yeah. And also now these companies are forcing your hand to, you know, hand over your data. Yeah. They are literally forcing your, your hand to say, if you do not provide certain details, we can't give you access to this. our platform. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons the person who um, um, sued... Um, uh, Facebook and Facebook Google. And Google. Mm. There's even like this app called um, World Remit, which is supposed to allow you to send money to your accounts in Africa. Mm. You know, 
I used it the first, and then they said, provide your ID. And then you want me to provide my international passport on an app? Whoa. On an app. Okay, I gave you my provisional license. You didn't get back to me. Mm. You know? So it's like just, just how much, you know. It, so it, it becomes a very dicey topic. Mm. It becomes a dicey topic. So it, it's a two-way thing whereby we have to be careful what we post. But I was just even going to say about the whole the African thing, and I think it also comes down to one tradition. Yeah. Like Africa is still very much embedded in the, our customs and tradition of, you know, the elders know what's best. Yeah. The elders don't want to look outside to see what's happening. And fair enough, I understand it. it let's, let's not lie. There are benefits to keeping to our culture. You know, we are raised up with certain values and morals mm. and standards. But at the same time, they are so afraid of giving us certain amount of freedom, thinking now we are rebelling. Mm. Instead of just having a conversation with us as to, you know, finding a middle ground, if we voice our opinion, it's wrong. You know, if we, if we um, disagree, it's wrong. If we say this older man is totally wrong and is acting like an idiot, it's wrong, mm. <laughs> you know. And I think that's that's to some extent what they are afraid of. They don't want to lose that power and authority, or basically over people's life, because they are still stuck, you know, in that in that manner of thinking. I mean, mm. just look at what the how old is the guy who is minister of um, information communication technology in Nigeria? And I'm thinking, what what does he know? Mm. And he was a lawyer in the past. Like, what experience do you have with information computing technology? Sorry. That's Were you nice. a software developer? Did you did you work in data? Did you build like what did you do that warrant you to be? And then the guy who is doing the whatever from science and technology, mm. you know, it's like they they don't know what's happening. Mm. You know, they they don't they will never understand our point of view. If I tell them give me fifty million because I want to build the the biggest um, was it called maybe web platform for university students in Nigeria. Yeah, for us to use that to do research and blah yeah. blah blah, they would never understand it. Mm. They would never see the value in it because they don't see the value in, you know, in the technology itself. How can you say you opened a pencil factory and that's us making progress? A pencil factory? <laughs> Are you serious? Factory. Who who, who said this? This was last year. The um, guy for science and technology or whatever. A pencil factory. A pencil factory. Last year or last two years, 2016 or 2017. The That's first, crazy. first Nigerian pencil factory. I mean, come on, dude. Pencil, we should be talking solar energy. We have the whole sea. We literally have like a whole border that's literally with it's the sea is there for us to play with. Mm. But instead they want to build more lands mm. because that's the only thing they know. Bro. And that land will still sink. You know, so you're talking about, you know, the sea. Do you know how much scorching sun we have <laughs> that, um, you know, what do you call it, solar panels can benefit from? And then we have the land for it. It's not like we don't have the land for exactly. it. Exactly. We've, we've got tons, many lands, lots of lands. I feel like there's more important things that countries in Africa can be focused on now rather than regulating things. Yes, regulation is important, but, you know, figure out how to do the most important things first, such as pushing innovation, you know, improving, you know, healthcare, you know, stuff like that. These are things we keep seeing politicians and governments in Africa. I, I just feel like they seem to be focusing on the wrong things, in my opinion, anyway. 
But because, um, no, because like I said, they, they don't see see the value in it. They only care about the now. Mm. I mean, Buari was there shouting, um, calling out um, Obasanjo for yes, I said their name. Was calling out Obasanjo for <laughs> how much the sixty something million was or sixty something million was budgeted for power, and we never saw the power. Blah blah blah. Okay, he didn't do the power. Why why can you not fix it? Mm. Why can you not fix it? Instead, you go on a national platform and call us lazy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And Faust does a video, and then people say Faust are damaging the reputation of the country. Your president just told the whole world that you're lazy. Mm. You know, so Mm -hmm. Africa is just see, you know, absolutely. You know, talking about President Buhari, who's the president of Nigeria, that's a segue to our next topic. So, what's a new bill that's just been introduced in Nigeria, Brandon? Oh, the not-too-young-to-run bill. Let's not go to the presidential villa, where President Muhammad Buhari earlier today signed the not-too-young-to-run bill into law. In a brief ceremony at council chambers in Rock Villa, President Muhammad Buhari said it is an opportunity for the youth to make their marks on the political scene. Simple terms. So the minimum age to run for president was 40. Which 45, been, I believe. No, it was 40. It was really? 40, yeah, okay. Which has now been reduced to 35. Um, I think for Senate as well, it's been reduced. Some has been yeah. reduced to 25. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone is happy about it. It's a good thing he passed the bill. I mean, that's probably the most tangible thing we're going to remember that he did mm-hmm. in his time in power, which we appreciate. It's, the, it's, it's a little step, but it's a significant step you know, moving forward. Yeah. But then I was having a discussion with people about this topic. And I mean, there were so many, as much as people are happy about it, you now start looking and thinking, okay, one, does it really encourage a lot of young people to go into politics? Mm. And two, are young people going to go into politics with the mindset of, let me get my piece of the cake? Mm. That's, that's, these are two interesting questions that I think... Yeah. Those are good questions. I think my opinion on the first question is that that's the most hardest thing as to what this bill is going to do. How is it going to get young people into politics in Nigeria? I think I would like to see, how can I say, them doing more things to say, okay, this is how we want there to be a balance of young and old people. In regards to your second question, which was, what did you say? How is it going to... Um, no, so uh, if, when young people yeah, going, yeah, yeah. going for... You know, to, to get a slice of the pie as well. Yeah. See, this, this, this is what's important. I think it depends. And I say, <laughs> everyone says basically it depends. And the reason why I'm saying this is because if those young people that are coming in haven't been brought in based on, you know, who they know or in terms of family or because, oh, my dad's friend oh, was previously yeah. in this position, then no, that's going to be a bad idea. But if they're coming based on, you know, being people like us who are very passionate about, you know, improving Nigeria, making it, you know, a better country, then yes, just what I mean. And also, I feel like if the youths are the youths of today, like, you know, most of us are in terms of how we really care about our country and making it better, I think, yeah, then then, then it's good. But if it's the, um, you know, the former, then then no, no. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I was telling someone it's going to take, another 20, 30 years to get Nigeria to like a full, well-oiled machine. Government is running, everything is stable. But like you said, it's, it's slowly, you know, removing 
the old people. I don't think 25, we don't have any experience. Mm. But I think it should encourage people now to start getting involved. They're not looking at the short term. Yeah, looking absolutely. at the long term of, okay, I'm, I'm 21, I'm doing my um, youth service. Yeah. How can I get involved? Mm. Let me get experience. Let them start seeing my face if I want to be part of a house or a representative or whatever. Mm. You know, get in there so that by the time you're 25, 26, you know, you can walk in with experience, get some things done and slowly build yourself up. You know, mm. and I think also it's for the government too. I'm, I do believe there are platforms out there that do um, help people get into politics, younger people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's not, you know, it has to now be become, you know, be put in the spotlight. Yeah. Because now it's like, okay, if someone is like, oh, okay, this is great. But where do I go? What do I, how do I get involved? Like, do I just walk up to the, to the, uh, to Asso Rock? To the presidential suite and say hi i want to i'm 25 and i'm eligible how you know how do we get involved i think that's what yeah. we have to put out there now absolutely you know, the resources the training for us to get involved so that mm. we can, you know so that they can build us up for you know they said the youths are the few leaders of tomorrow and now practically build us to become those leaders absolutely yeah. there is you know one thing i found i was really happy i can't remember what country was it. i don't know if it was zimbabwe or something but I was really happy to see recently that Zimbabwe um, awarded a guy from um, that. Um, he went to study in MIT, did his PhD in MIT and a few other, you know, uh, prestigious universities. They basically now awarded him, you know, um, director of like technology in, Af- oh. in, in, that, in that country. And this is an example that I want other countries to be saying. Do you see what I mean? As you were saying, you know, how are you going to be having like a six-year-old being like chief chief of technology something or director whatever or governor you see what i mean it makes no sense if that person doesn't have any prior knowledge with technology do you see what i'm saying but taking that initiative of taking that young man who's knows a lot about technology and how to improve it i think that's that's a great initiative that i think many countries in africa should, should start doing as well exactly well, i mean it's, it's it's a good bill um Though in the in the future there will definitely come some positive out of it. Absolutely, so, but you know what my main fear about this bill is is I don't want it to be a bill that just came and we don't see nothing being done. Exactly. Just what I mean. That's another fear. Exactly. If 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 no state steps are going to be taken to get more young people into um, what you call it into politics, then forget it. This bill is useless. True. I mean, I hundred percent agree with your point. Um, mm. But then, like we said earlier. The, the people who are already there now, we know how Nigerians are. Yeah. You know, once they find a good seat, nobody's coming to sit there. And you know, you know how in, in church or events, they put a bag on the empty seat <laughs> and tell you someone is coming for it. And yeah. that's, exact, that's exactly what is going to happen, where a young person is going to come and be like, I want to sit, you know, with you people. Yeah. And someone that they're already grooming, God knows where, you know, <laughs> that they've sent abroad to study with our money. We now come back and take that seat and just continue where the older one left off. Oh man, yeah, I see. That's that's what I'm saying. I see where you're coming from, and I I hope that's not the the circumstance that happens. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it pans out. It is a positive bill that's been put into place, so I like to see how you know that goes into into plan. But all I'm saying is this bill has definitely motivated me to go on and do my uh, youth service. To be honest, definitely, man, I definitely nice. have to do that. Nice. But, oh, yeah, that's true. You have to do youth service if you want to work in the public sector. 100%, yeah. Yeah, I guess I, we all have to go back and do it then. <laughs> yeah. So all, all you Nigerians out there, 
pack your bags. Um, let's go get it. Because, to be honest, we, we keep saying, you know, um, Nigeria is bad, Nigeria is bad. To be honest, mm. I, I think it's really going to be hard. It's going to be hard for young people in Nigeria mm. to change Nigeria. But what would help is us, you know, the ones in diaspora coming back and aiding yeah. people in Nigeria. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I like to say something similar, like you've just said. I think even putting young people in it might, I think it would make a difference, but we won't see the difference straight away. But what it does give us is a seat at the table. And that's important. Exactly. I and I also, yeah, I think that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> that's basically it. You know, in the next 10 years, I just hope we've seen, you know, younger people, innovative people, Absolutely. forward thinking people. You know. Like you said, having a seat at the table and let our voice mm, be heard. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so um, that's it from this week's uh, podcast. Um, join us next week where we'll be talking about new topics around tech in, um, you know, what's happening in tech in general and in Africa and whatever comes up. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, and if you need a website, check absolutely. us out. Don't go to Wix. <laughs> yeah, Wix is of fraud. course, and also we... Wix, I take that back. You're not a fraud in case you do want us to help you build Bro, something no, in the no. future. I'm going I'm I'm to cut this out because Wix could actually uh, sponsor us. They can get us to put an ad in our, in our podcast, so we, should, we shouldn't say that. Yeah, I'm going to cut it out. Wix, you're great. You're absolutely great. Well, yeah, guys, if you do need a website, um, do yeah, check us out. Yeah, definitely, man. And we provide you with you know, a free consultation session that allows us to plan with you, you know, where you want your business to go and stuff. So definitely... Come to us. Yeah, Costa. Oh my Starbucks, days. <laughs> <any> coffee, <laughs> Frappuccinos. We're done. Yeah. All day. Even even McDonald's oh, no, coffee. No, 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 no. Never, never talk that. <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap it up, man. Take oh, care, yeah. guys. Yeah, see you guys Peace. on the next one.